0: What happens when a blind man, a woman of color, and a child of immigrants get together to discuss how diversity,
1: inclusion, and equity affect your business? Hi, everybody. Welcome to the Choose Inclusion podcast. I'm Yubi, and I am the Latino white guy of the group.
2: I'm Nina. I am the woman of color in the group,
0: and I'm Mike. I'm uh, the blind guy.
2: What kinds of um, you know changes have you seen over the last twenty years in terms of um, just kind of how accessibility and tech has grown or changed? I mean, you had talked about. I mean, I think XP was launched in uh, early 2000s, so mm-hmm. um, you know, keyboard navigation. Uh, was one of the options, and I think that's still like a big part of, um, you know, accessibility navigation uh, today, but I'm curious, like, what are those types of changes have you seen um, when it comes to accessibility in tech?
3: So, well, some of the changes I've seen is just around the guidelines alone. Um, When you started off with Section 508, those guidelines were written in such a, a vague way that they could be applied not just to the existing technology, but also emerging technology. But that was also problematic in the sense that uh, because there was no really specific guidance a lot of the times, um, what you had is individuals kind of um, making up their own mind as to what a certain uh, you know technique might mean. And so you had a lot of dissent going across the way people viewed that. Uh, so even though it was a great effort, it kind of got the ball rolling. It, w- it was lacking in that way. Um, so then when the WCAG guidelines came out, they were a little bit more focused. Um, and as they've come out more, they, they still have gotten more focused, but yet they're still written in a way that uh, allows for a lot of, in a lot of cases, allows for that interpretation. Or maybe it's not even the interpretation as much as not having that full exposure to to really know how to apply those guidelines in such a way that it leads toward, towards accessibility. Uh, another another thing I've noticed too over time is it used to be that people would look at these different guidelines and they'd say okay they, they would look at it more in the sense of it's a uh, yes or no. Uh, okay, I got this guideline. I have to do this. Okay, now I conform with the guidelines. Uh, well, just because you might conform with a specific technique that the guideline outlines doesn't mean your content is necessarily accessible. And an example of that I would say would be like a skip navigation link. Uh, so we've probably seen, if you've used a screen reader, you've probably have encountered skip navigation links where the screen reader will tell you it's there, but yet you don't see that on the screen. Um, but you have to then think about, okay, well, what other group of users might need access to that? And that would be keyboard users. So as you tab through the page and you hit that skip navigation link, it really should become visible. And so that I can see that it's there and that I can take, take, uh, uh, take that action to benefit myself. So that's just one example of, of, uh, how some of these guidelines even though they've gotten a little bit more focused there's still a lot of room uh, for interpretation and and for misapplying them and I don't even know if misapplying them is the right terminology but the guidelines have gotten better and and I've noticed that folks are starting to to understand them a little bit better Um, but they're still challenging for for many and as far as technology itself I got to say that uh, you know in the beginning there just wasn't a lot of support uh, for for uh, accessibility in a lot of the operating systems and devices. And we're seeing that change, I mean, not just with Windows, but we see Apple putting in a huge effort around that. Google's been very present at some of these larger accessibility conferences, showing off the different uh, you know, things that they're doing around accessibility. And so that's really exciting to see that because they not only see that, hey, there's a need, but they're taking it to the next level and say, well, let's see how we can make this beneficial for everybody. So that's, that's a nice trend to see. Um, and then, with devices, a lot of the mobile the mobile devices that are coming out, when they came out with the iPhone, and I thought, how would they ever make that accessible you know but then they they came up with a way to do it with that touch interface i was just I was just amazed you know and and it's like that iPhone seems to be the device to use if you need any kind of you know accessibility accommodations these days, although I know Android is catching up and doing a lot better as well. So they really are. Yeah. Uh, so it's, it seems like the focus is turning there. It's no longer being looked at as, uh, just oh, as something that we have to do, but there it's, it's being more, uh, recognized as an opportunity. Uh,
1: well, how much better. Jeff, Jeff, how much of, of, you know, the work that you and Ken do is, I mean, would you consider innovation? Cause I've, you know, I've heard you talk about, you know, that, um, people are starting to understand these guidelines more and and the work that you all do to help them understand that even better. But I I imagine there's also some, some work that you and Ken maybe are doing to help interpret and figure out new ways to apply it all. I mean, do you, do you find that you both are, you know, innovating and and coming up with ways that, you know, maybe the, the guidelines never thought about in terms of this?
3: Yeah, I haven't thought about that question, but I think that is true because I know f- uh, we've had a number of conversations between, you know, Ken Nakata and myself, as well as some other folks that we know in the industry, just around the guidelines, because sometimes we read those guidelines, guidelines and we're thinking to ourselves, what does that really mean? And as we go about discussing it, we start to not only get a better understanding of the intent behind it, but also start to recognize the different areas that should be included when trying to apply that guideline. Um, so, but that—I that, mean—that takes a takes effort to do. It's not something that just comes naturally, I don't believe. And as far as uh, innovating um, to to apply those guidelines in situations where they really weren't meant to apply, I guess, in a sense. Uh, well, I shouldn't say that. The guidelines were meant to apply to everything. It's some of the techniques out there that are uh, recommended to to conform with those guidelines that can throw you off, and those techniques don't cover everything. Uh, for example, we had a customer recently who uh, their, their, their product they offer is for um, teachers trying to teach their students and they have a lot of different things the way they do things such as uh, read this paragraph and fill in the blanks or, you know, drag and drop type of interfaces. And so we worked with them and it came up with a, a number of what I would say out of the box approaches that apply the guidelines, but in some cases loosely apply those guidelines to make sure that everybody can interact and understand what's being requested through that interface. So those are some of the more fun projects, some of the ones that make your head scratch a little more.
1: (laughs) (laughs) That's awesome. Well,
3: well, and, and I'd like,
0: so again, this, you know, the choose inclusion podcast is, um, you know, we're aiming this to be a resource for how do, how do we help employers uh, really embrace uh inclusion like diversity like diversity is mandatory in our global economy inclusion is something you have to choose into right and so Mm Uh, I love hearing you say that. Okay, you're seeing organizations that are being proactive with making uh, tech more accessible. You're seeing, um, you're, you're seeing that th- you've used the you've used the phrase uh, for everybody multiple times. And so, to me, when uh, when when we think about the people with disabilities community, we think about accessibility, like the techniques that are applied it's not just for the people with disabilities community. Is that true?
3: That's very true, yeah. As a matter of fact, today I was, uh, I forget which website I was on, but I was trying to do something, and I was trying to do it quickly. So I tapped down into the page only to realize I had to reach for my mouse because it wasn't giving me the the visual indication of focus I needed to get to where I needed to be. And I found that rather frustrating because I was in a hurry. (laughs) So uh, that's just an example of, of what you're talking about, Mike.
1: Well, I'm interested because I'm a total space nerd. Star Trek, not Star Wars, by the way. But your <laughs> work—I
2: are clear about that, right? <laughs>
1: <laughs> I must be clear. I must be very clear. But so your your work with NASA, and that's how you know we met, and because of um, your you reached out to Mike uh, about the the Edge Guide technology, which we can talk about um, in a second. But the, tell us about how you got how are you and Ken started working with NASA and what is, what does that look like? What are you, what are you looking for? What are they looking for in particular? All right.
3: That's a good question. That's probably a question that Ken himself can answer a little bit more thoroughly, um, but I can give you my, my, my uh, experience with that. And so NASA was uh, an organization that Ken had been working for, for a number of years uh, doing some of these reviews. And so what it is is a lot of federal government organizations have money that they can give out as grants to kind of further education and things like that. And is one of those that can do that. Um, but there's rules around providing that grant money to an organization. So when NASA gives a science center uh, some money, uh, then they're expected to conform with some of the, the federal guidelines, which require that you make, make everything Inclusive for everybody as best you can, and and, and a number of other things. I primarily fo- was brought in because what what they realized is that they were going and they would look at these facilities and they might look at the physical um, accessibility nature of it and they might look at the overall program. You know how accessible is this? Are, are the learning opportunities that are there are they being presented to people that might speak a different language or, you know, things like that. Uh, but the one thing they were missing was the digital side. A lot of these. Uh, different exhibits that are out there make use of digital technology now. And not only that, but then you have their websites uh, that are facing the public, especially uh, some of the sites that might you have to use to buy tickets and th- find the schedule and, and, and sign up for special programs, right? So okay. that wasn't being included as part of that review. And so NASA was like, well, we want to definitely include this. And that's where I was brought in to that, that particular NASA project mix um, to provide that insight. And I have to say that out of all the projects I work on, on a regular basis, I do enjoy the NASA ones the most because it does make you think out of the box. Um, you Sometimes you just have to sit and look at a, an exhibit in one of these museums and try to figure out, well, how they're using digital technology, but how can they expand that experience to more people? And Oftentimes, I just have to sit there and, and watch the visitors interact with that exhibit before I can you know, really understand what that experience is that they're trying to convey. And then that's usually when the thoughts start to flow and I come up with some ideas. So yeah, that's, that's kind of how we got into the, got into the NASA thing. It was just, I, I just kind of got brought along because of, there was a need at
1: the time. Sure. Sure. No, I think that's fascinating. And just, we'll do a quick plug for Mike. Mike, do you want to talk about edge guide? That's how kind of we all came to be, but um, I'll let you tell it. Well, sure. Well, the, uh,
0: one of the side high soul projects that, uh, you know, I was involved with working with, uh, uh, our technology partner, CACI, uh, who is a a department of defense, uh, contractor. However, they helped fund a, um, uh, university of Denver project, uh, for me a couple of years back. And then I came back to them with a, with a project to, um, Quite honestly, how can how can we make uh, indoor navigation really really effective? Because uh, all the Bluetooth technologies that are out there right now, you know, oh, we'll get you within six to eight feet in optimal uh, conditions and that sort of thing. And quite honestly, that's the difference between the men's room and the uh, the women's room, you know. And um, I'm all about gender equality, but I'd prefer to hit the men's room every <laughs> single time. And um, <laughs> so at I at some uh, point. Yeah. So we, we, uh, so we put together a, a project, uh, with the uh, museum of nature and science here in Denver, Colorado. And, uh, we got, we got a cool little evergreen, uh, Fox 31 story back in early October, 2019. And within two weeks, we had a couple of uh, small organizations like, uh, these, uh, NASA contractor guys, Ken and, and Jeff that reached out and said, Hey, um, uh we we like what you're doing we'd love to come see that we're going to be in denver and we'd love to demo it which uh so they came in uh, november of uh, 2019 and then um uh so it's it that's kind of how our initial relationship uh landed there because uh both ken and jeff said hey um you know the precision uh of which your indoor technology has and then all of the other added features with um uh, you know, English as a second language, which is uh, very much uh, Title Six of the ADA. So, you know, you you cannot just display um, information on physical placards in one language. and But once we digitize that information, it's able to be interpreted. Uh, now you're just constrained by... Uh, the code, and so we all know uh, uh, localization within the digital sense is so much easier to accomplish than in the physical placard sense. So, um, so it was fun to you know meet Jeff and and Ken uh, there at AppGate. Uh, you know when they came down and said, hey, you know, not only is this uh, kind of the best we've seen out there, uh, we'd we'd love to you know go and do some you know presentations, uh, kind of co-branded presentations, which we went to the. Um it was probably the last real safe uh conference of twenty twenty <laughs> before COVID hit. So we went yeah, to the Hack right. rim in early March together and we co presented on uh on this technology then, which is uh real exciting. But I um, you know, again, the conversation that we so much of the conversation that Ken and Jeff and I have had about you know what BIT does you know from an internal facing what Appgate does from an external facing we've talked about just broadening, broadening our collaborations just based on because um, there, there's so much synergies within that space as well so it's been it's been a fun relationship to uh, cultivate
1: well and Jeff, yeah. like I, I mean so that's interesting because in this case um, I, well let me ask you this how often are you all looking for sort of new technology or new techniques i mean is that is that part of your job or was this happenstance
3: i wouldn't say that's part of the job um, but i think it just comes by by nature of being in this business for so long is that we you know, for me personally, I have some newsfeed uh, alerts set up and when certain things come through, I go on, and look at them uh, and just looking for things like that news about, you know, maybe a different way of applying a technique or thinking about a technique. And and that's how we found out about edgeguide and their, and their uh, solution is I just got one of these newsfeed come up and, and it mentioned about, you know, what they were doing out there in Denver. and And immediately it was, you thought to yourself, well, that's that, That's the same thing we've been telling these different science centers and museums to keep on the lookout for, because for years, even before I got involved with some of these NASA projects, Ken was recommending recommending, um, as part of some of these reports that were being delivered that to keep an eye out for wayfinding, internal wayfinding systems. And when we saw what Mike was doing out there with his team, we just had to see it. And I, I think it was the same day we saw that news article that Ken and I reached out <laughs> and, and oh, made wow. contact. Yeah, because it because we because we could see the value being added there was something that we've been recommending to these different uh, science centers and museums for years. And now we're actually seeing that technology emerge. And so it was actually really exciting for us to see that we wanted to you know, get more information right away.
1: Absolutely. Yeah, my news alerts that I have set for Mike are for different reasons. <laughs> <laughs>
2: i don't
1: think i know what that means no.
0: <laughs> no nobody does nobody does PG 13 you baldos
1: <laughs> <laughs> well i um the, the, the only other question i have r- real quick and sort of to bring this you know to into current times is, is um in, in terms of COVID 19 like jeff how how is this affecting what you and Ken and AppGate are doing? Does Do you feel like there are things that you've seen and done that, you know, have much more applicability now, given this current situation?
3: Definitely. Yeah. So we, we were having that conversation the other day that now as more people are being forced to work from home, or uh, at least... Even if they they're not working from home, they're they're starting to use you know technology such as Zoom and you know things like that for communicating uh, back and forth. It really does become more to the forefront because when you, you when you incorporate accessibility practices in, in the proper way and you really pay attention to the user interface the user experience becomes so much easier. You don't have to think about it so much. Um, It's just easier to kind of learn that landscape and get around using different methods. Um, So it it really has, I think it really has put the spotlight on, you know, the the usability and the inclusivity of of these different technologies that are out there. And not only that, but from our our parent company, you know, I, I, I say AppGate because they do focus primarily on Um, network security, but they've even started um, helping some of these organizations that need to let people work from home to do so in such a way by using their products for free during this time. Um, There's guidelines around that, but essentially what that means is that they're giving you this product for free so you can set up a secure VPN from your home into the office and and be protected that way. Uh, Again, that's not the side of the house I play on so much. Uh, I play on the accessibility side, but uh, definitely uh, that everything that's going on now does highlight the fact that if your site's accessible, it's going to just make for like these times so much easier for people to, to deal with.
0: I met, imagine the restaurants. So right now where so many restaurants are really hurting right now, Jeff, and imagine the restaurants who were not proactive and making their, uh, you know, their, their, their website accessible. Like you're literally losing out on how many you know how many dollars right now and you would have recouped them just in this one covid time because because we we know like it's not it's it's not millions of dollars to make technology accessible it is not even close to that but yet you know if they would have just had the foresight to be inclusive to the people with disabilities community not only would it have served all their users but i mean imagine how many more dollars they would have brought in during these times
3: yeah, and, and I've seen a number of, of the, the online retailers, well, not just restaurants, but a number of um, suppliers out there yeah, that supply different household goods and stuff that if they have some kind of uh, ordering online and pickup or or delivery in place, um, that they're, they're still doing okay. And then I've noticed that there's been a few that have quickly adopted to that and they've added those features, uh, which I thought amazingly quickly um, for that. So that was kind of cool to see as well.
2: Well, thank you so much, Jeff, for joining us on the podcast today as a fellow uh, accessibility advocate and tech geek. I really appreciate all the work that you've been doing. And uh, yeah, thank you for joining us and and providing insight about all of this stuff to our listeners. Appreciate it.
3: Oh, thank you.
0: Yeah, Jeff, thanks so much. Uh, appreciate, your, uh, appreciate your friendship, getting to know you and uh, look forward to future engagements. Uh, Ubaldo, Nina, thank you as always. I'm, uh, I'm absolutely the third wheel on this, uh, this podcast and thank you for letting me be that.
1: That is not true, but (laughs) thank you. Thank you all very much. Um, yeah, Jeff, always a pleasure. Look forward to seeing you hopefully soon in person back here in Denver. Um, yeah, thank you everybody for listening. We'll, uh, we'll talk to you again soon.
2: Take care, everyone. Thanks for listening to the Choose Inclusion podcast. Make sure to subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts and Spotify, and you can see closed captioning for this podcast on our YouTube channel. You can find us online on our website, chooseinclusion.com, and contact us on Twitter at chooseinclusion.